Hi, and welcome to The Terror Test. I'm Eric. And I'm John. And as fans of horror, our goal is to weigh the merits of films based on three categories, production, monster quality, and scare factor, to decide whether to admit them into our sacred horror canon. In this podcast, we will put horror movies to the test to determine what to watch next, what's worth revisiting, and what to recommend to the uninitiated. Number two pencils ready, and begin. Okay, so um, this... Buongiorno! <laughs> this week's uh, stop is in Italy, and so um, we are going to watch two Italian films by uh, some of the most well-known Italian horror directors. A Cat in the Brain by Lucio Fulci, and Suspiria by Dario Argento. Yeah. And so we're going to start with A Cat in the Brain. Uh, this was released in 1990, directed by Lucio Fulci, uh, written by Lucio Fulci, Giovanni Simonelli, and Antonio Tintori, starring Lucio Fulci as Lucio Fulci, David L. Thompson as Professor Egon Schwartz, and Melissa Longo as Katya Schwartz. All right, so let's start with production. Uh, the film is timeless in the power and effectiveness of its writing, direction, acting, cinematography, special effects, iconography, and portrayal of its subject matter. So something that I didn't even, because when we do this, like you do the background and the facts, mm -hmm. I kinda, a lot of times they ignore the year. I just go into oh, it. Uh -huh. um, and I assumed, so I watched this one after Suspiria, and I assumed that this was made Early 80s, yeah. maybe late 70s. Okay, like so Suspiria, but closer to not. the time of Suspiria. Yeah. yeah, but it's not. No. But it reads, why does it read that way? Um, well, I think he uses a lot of the same techniques that he had been using for so many years. Um, yeah, the, the camera quality is not that great. Um, the... Um, the effects are kind of hit or miss. Um, I believe that he's actually used uh, scenes and effects from some of his earlier movies in this, and so that may account for some of it. Um, we also uh, talked before we started this about the dubbing, um, and that's um, a pretty that was a pretty common. Um, uh, thing in Italian movies uh, where they would just not worry about capturing the sound uh, while filming. They would just go and dub it afterwards. Um, we even see that with Suspiria, uh, where the main character, Susie, she's like, her, she's mouthing words in English, okay, but they still dubbed her. No, when Kristen and I were watching it in the very beginning, I thought I was going crazy because I didn't have subtitles on. Yeah. And then it was already dubbed, but it was matching up too well. And I was like, wait, this is yeah. really an Italian? So and then, it, was, yeah. it was weird. And it led to situations where like, okay, so um, Susie, the actress who's playing Susie is speaking English. And then someone else is speaking Italian in the same scene. Someone else is speaking Spanish in the same scene. But they're all supposed to be like speaking to one another, but they don't understand one another. And so it created some really interesting just kind of behind the scenes mm -hmm. issues where um, actors kind of had to uh, 
say some of their lines phonetically rather than like understanding what they actually mean mm -hmm. um, because they're just going back and forth in different languages. Mm -hmm. And so that was a really common practice. Um, Apparently that's how like uh, in like, so Dolph Lundgren, mm -hmm. um, I think in his first few movies, he would do that. He would just say phonetically what it sounded like, but not, he has oh, no idea yeah. what he was saying. Yeah. So, yeah. So anyway, that accounts for the dubbing in both movies. Um, I mean, dubbing can be really distracting at times. And so it's unfortunate that um, like so many great Italian movies have that because now we kind of find it a dated practice and, and, and distracting. So no, I'd like to hear what some of those original characters voices mm -hmm. sounded like, especially uh, the main character yeah. of uh, Suspiria. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, anyway, um, so, so, I mean, depending on like your preference for that, that could hurt or help the film. Um, it, I, I could get over it. Um, this movie, um, I, I feel like it should be right up my alley because just last episode when we were talking about funny games, I was talking about how much I, I love these movies. Like this, it reminds me of um, other um, films about directors who are kind of struggling with either making a new film or uh, coming to terms with, you know, uh, their careers, um, a new nightmare that mm -hmm. um, Nightmare West Craven movie um, that came out a few years after this one, and so um, you know that that's a, another example. Uh, it also reminded me of Eight and a Half by uh, Fellini, which was like a classic Italian movie, which is mm -hmm. an amazing movie. It's not horror, but it's also kind of semi autobiographical about a director who is kind of thinking a lot about his role in his life. Well, um, I was reminded of what's the J-Har one we did that's the anthology where one of the segments. Oh, um, yeah. Three Extremes. Yeah, in Three Extremes. That yeah, reminded the me. Yeah, yeah, the middle one did um, about it. Uh, so I think I like that part of the writing. I like how he is like impacted by by the type of films that he's making. Yeah. Uh, just how, I mean, maybe it's fresh off the experience with a Serbian film, but that's how kind of, like kind of how I felt with a Serbian film is like, I had these like flashbacks oh. <laughs> of the movie yeah. in my everyday. Um, so I appreciated that part. Now, can we talk about the power and effectiveness of that? What did you think? I, I think it, think it pulls it off. No. Um, I, I just don't think the production is up to snuff. Um, it's very, there's a lot of gratuitous sex and violence in the movie. Um, and Fulci, I, I know, I mean, I haven't seen too many of his other movies. Um, I've seen a few. And so I know that he's like this, you know, master of gore, um, the low budget exploitation films. Like I get that. Um, but here it just, it, it was just kind of dull. Um, like he, I immediately, well, well, once I understood 
what he was doing in this movie. I was on board. And then it just plateaued. Like there was nothing new, no new ideas happening. It was just, you know, it was, it was like he was revisiting nightmare after nightmare, you know, horror after horror, after sex, after horror, like, Mm -hmm. um, and there was really nothing else there. So nothing stuck with me. I'll agree with you on that. Like after he visits his therapist, um, and you see that he's being hypnotized and then you sort of figure out what's going on. Then the scenes after that do feel repetitive. And I, I will say though, like the first, I don't know, let's say quarter of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I really do like when it's setting all that up and you don't, when it's like messing with your sense and his mm-hmm. sense of reality. So like yeah. those, I mean, I love that scene where it's the gardener like chopping into the, like using the chainsaw mm-hmm. after he just directed that scene with the chainsaw yeah. and he's got blood on him and you don't know if that's real for a second. And then the part with the paint that's like mm-hmm. spilling out, it's all really stylized and I like that, but I feel like it, the rest of the movie is not like that. He has his yeah. flashbacks, but then it becomes sort of like campy, mm-hmm. like with these, like with these zombies that are like in his yeah. imagination, like the girl in the wheelchair, um, I feel like if he had gone the direction that he went with the first part of the movie with those images, then mm-hmm. it would have been different. Yeah. So it it, does, it kind of falls flat at the end. But I really like the beginning. I love the opening credits. <laughs> it's gross. I love it. With yeah. the cats eating in the uh-huh. brain and then the guy like, uh, you know, eating the flank steak or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, love. I love the concept. I think the execution is very flawed, so I'm not going to yeah. give it a point for production. So for writing, I've been like saving this quote. I'll say it. So it's a movie about how the sausage gets made. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a movie about making sausage and about making movies about making sausage. <laughs> yeah, about mm-hmm. making sausage. Yeah. Um, so I, I can't give it a point. I want to so much because I really had fun watching this movie mm-hmm. um, up until that point that it drops off, but. Yeah. Um, I think it's fun. But I can see why into, it's a cult classic. But when we get into monster quality, I think that's where we can really credit the movie's ideas. There you go. Right? Let's do it. So the film's monsters are frightening, clearly relate to archetypal fears, and have depth. Um, so who's our monster? Uh, he is, isn't he? I mean... I think so. The director. Um, the, movie the director maker, of the, the movie. The movie I mean, maker. Yes. And so um, there's a lot going on there, like... Um, the the creator of horror movies is um, being haunted by his own creations. Mm-hmm. And, you know, horror movies give people nightmares. And so as a horror film director, um, doesn't that make him complicit in other people's nightmares? Um, do movies have uh, an impact on real world violence? Like all of these questions were, I think, evoked in the movie. And I, I think there are really fascinating questions. Um, again, the, the actual, uh, execution kind of led to a repetitive doll movie for me, mm-hmm. but the ideas there, the, the, um, yeah, yeah. The, the ideas I think really fascinate me. Yeah, I, I do. I like that. I, I like the concept of, going back and forth with am I is art imitating life or is mm-hmm. 
art imitating life or is life imitating art mm -hmm. um, as it goes through it. So I, I want to give it a point because I think it has depth there and I think it really explores that idea throughout yeah. the movie um, all, all the way up until the end um, where he's making his, his new film with himself as the actor because he was just part of that. So it just adds yeah. that extra layer to it. Um, so I, I, I want to give it a point. Because I think it does that well. Mm -hmm. I, I think so, too. And, and so I'm going to give it a point as well. Um, yeah, I, I think, like I said, I, I just love the meta stuff. And so that is, um, that, that stuff's just fascinating. And, and I was thinking about this the other day. I think part of why I really like the meta stuff is because it's another uh, way of dragging you into the world of the movie. Um because it's acknowledging you, the audience, as, you know, just the the person who is passively sitting and watching this. Mm -hmm. It's kind of nodding towards you, acknowledging you. And so you become just a little more involved in the movie itself. Does that make sense? Yeah. Do you like it when it's more when it's more implicit or explicit? Like here I feel like we I could think call it, that explicit, but uh -huh. something like Black Christmas. It's more implicit, like when you get the point of view of the killer and yeah. it like puts you in the driver's seat. Yeah, I think there are different ways to do it. And I think it could be done well and poorly. Um and but 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 I think it could when it's done well it it's really engaging and it's really cool. I agree. Scare factor. The film has clear intent to scare. It must be successful in that objective from beginning to excuse me from beginning to end. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> the dreaded pause. Yeah. Uh, is it scary? No. It was ridiculous. Oh, but it was so much fun. That's that, see, like this is. Um, I don't know. This is one of the a difficult move movie for us to run through the rubric because there are parts of it that I find so entertaining mm -hmm. and so fun, but, but does it intent... live up to, right. I, was the intent to scare? I don't think so. I, I think it was more of a reflection, like a reflection I, I, piece. Yeah. It's like a memoir. It is. It's like his yeah. twisted version of a memoir, Yeah, which is cool. Yeah, but it's it's so the not movies his scary. the movies he makes are his cat in his brain. Yeah, right. Um, I I agree. I don't think the intent is to scare. Um, I think it has other purposes, mm -hmm. like we're talking about, but um, it doesn't do that. I, but I don't want this to do, go in the diaper. Should it go in the honorable mention? It doesn't even have enough points to do that. No. Uh, I mean, it's just you know, it's non canonical. It's it's yeah. not it's not. You know, in honorable yeah, mention or canon, yeah, but I think it's like there with funny games. Like, right. I would recommend it to. I don't think I'd recommend to, it to everybody. Yeah, I'd I, recommend I think it to. We maybe have certain people in mind that we would recommend it to. Yeah. Like, yeah, I agree. It doesn't belong in the typer. It's not a waste of time, but there's. It, it's not for everyone. It's for a certain audience. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> one <laughs> one point, I was kind of like, because um, I was watching it pretty late, mm -hmm. and I was falling asleep <laughs> during one scene. Kristen just told me, just turn it off if you're going to fall asleep. <laughs> so she's not <laughs> yeah. happy with this. She did like Suspiria, however. Okay, well, that's our next one. Which um, I feel like if it passes the Kristen test, if it passes the wife test, we've got that's, something. That's a good point. Um, <laughs> we have to bring Sarah Beth and Kristen on for a conversation about one of these. Yeah, someday. I know, I know. So that Sarah Beth is just so reluctant to 
watch anything. Yeah. The um, wife terror test, the terror wife test. Yeah. Those are different. Those are different podcasts. Yeah. Although she did watch <laughs> The Innocence back when we watched yeah. that. So maybe if she we, would like get maybe, out. Maybe if we do like an older one or something. Yeah. That that may work. I think um, she would like get out. Oh, I think so too. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, now it's time for Suspiria. Um, this was released in 1977, directed by Dario Argento, written by Dario Argento in Daria Nicolati, starring Jessica Harper as Susie, Stefania Cassini as Sarah, Joan Bennett as Madame Blanc, and Udo Kier as Dr. Frank Mandel. So remind me of names again. Susie's our main character, right? Yeah, and Sarah is her friend. What is the what's the name of like the madam? Like the she's always got a smile on her face. Um make sure that I That I don't I didn't get her name. Uh, I I just didn't write it down. I want to call her just Frau something. So yeah, she reminds me of um yeah, just like, you know <laughs> We'll call her Madam. Those I, I don't know, almost German caricatures. Yeah. Um yeah. Um, so production, uh, writing, acting, cinematography, special effects, uh, man, the acting, I, I will have to say, so I really, really, really enjoyed this movie. Um, the, some of the side characters were hit and miss for yeah. me, you know, cause you get this, you get this whole company of mm-hmm. ballet dancers, yeah. um, that pop in and out or whatever. And some of them, some of them stick and some of them you just want to squat them against the wall. Well, and I, I think to a certain degree it's intentional. Um, I think everything here is very melodramatic. Yeah. And if you think about the location, um, it kind of makes sense that, um, several of the characters would be childlike, you know? Yeah. If you think about, you know, uh, girls who, you know, these young girls who have lived very privileged lives, you know, very mm-hmm. sheltered, uh, kind of all coming to, together and, and learning how to dance like that. I mean, I could see where yeah, they would important. maybe act a little childlike. Mm-hmm. But again, I also think the some of the dialogue is, is pretty over the top, mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah, I agree, um, especially with the lead, Jessica Harper. I think she does a really yes. great job being vulnerable um, without overdoing, like, you know, being scared. You know, yeah, and we just talked about um, uh, yesterday how uh, there's a remake. There is uh, they, a remake. They just wrapped in February, is what I read. Oh, did it? Yeah, okay. Like this February is when I had wrapped, um, and the so Susie is going to be played by Chloe Moretz. Grace Moretz. Moretz, think she's going to pull it off? No. You don't think I so? have no I think faith with this in her. Character, with this character, maybe. No. Okay, so we have talked about her before on when we did Carrie. Right. And if we are going to do the American version of Let the Right One In, she's in that. I haven't seen it yet. But Oh, wait, what? Okay, so now, yeah, we have to see the American version. I okay. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not optimistic. Well, I don't know because why. Why is she I, like our final girl now? You know, I, I don't know. Like, why is she in all these horror remakes? Yeah. Um, probably Classic because she remake. can't get better work. My problem uh, with Chloe Grace Morris, and maybe this is mean, I really don't have, like, strong feelings, like, strong negative feelings towards many actors. But with Chloe Grace Moretz, I think because she was a child actor, 
she never learned how to convincingly portray a human because she's never had access to a normal life. And so in every movie that she's in, she feels like she's trying to act like a normal person and it's never convincing to me. See, and but that's the reason why I think she might be okay in this movie. From in what Suspiria, we were just talking about, no, I you don't think I'm she can so play like that. Privileged skeptical. I mean, we'll see, we'll see it. I, I think we should see it. I'm really curious to see if they're able to pull off just um, all of the really wonderful technical elements of the film. Um, but maybe I'm being too hard, but. <laughs> So let well let's talk about some of the so acting aside the thing that stands out when you turn this movie on is the color. Yeah. Oh my gosh. As a film the way that the the camera movements, mm-hmm. the set design, um, the color scheme, mm-hmm. everything that's going on to this movie is to me, let me go ahead and say it, it's flawless. Yeah. Like from the beginning and this is one of those movies too which I think we've talked about before is that if you watch it so we watched it on DVD. Mhm. Even watching it on DVD, the clarity and <clears throat> magnificence of mm-hmm. that color makes you wonder. It, it takes you, you – you can't put a time on it. I mean this is like the epitome for me of timeless. Yeah. Like it could have been a remake that happens to be set mm-hmm. in the late 70s um, because of its use of color and uh, the design of the school is so surreal. Yes. And each shot is framed like a painting. Mm-hmm. And it might as well be like a uh, – like a Wes Anderson movie. Yeah. Like it's, it's incredible. Uh Even the violence is, is so stylized. Like the blood is bright red and it's just the, the color red in that just pops throughout that movie. It's yeah, it is. And you don't mind that it looks like nail polish. No, it doesn't have to look real. It's just out of, yeah, it's just not, not realistic and that's fine. It's just so highly stylized and, and gorgeous. I agree. It is a beautiful, um, movie with just the most vivid colors. Mm-hmm. Um, and in addition to that, the music. The score to this is, I have to find it on on, on vinyl. I have to yeah. Oh, I was thinking about that. I have it on iTunes, but it is an amazing da, soundtrack. Da, 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 da. <laughs> um, so good. Yeah. And so it's just a fan- phenomenal soundtrack um, that's used effectively throughout the movie. I mean, it's just, it's just perfect. It goes along so well with the setting um, and the whole look of the movie. It's just a perfect compliment. Um, Goblin is yeah, the composer. Band. So, um, yeah. So, <clears throat> I think technically, in terms of production, this movie definitely does everything that mm-hmm. we that we want it to do yeah. um, as part of our rubric. Uh, just some things that I pointed out uh, that I noticed about some of the writing in the set design. When she first goes into school, there's that like fish MC Escher style wallpaper mm-hmm. with like, so you already have the, those like dark themes going on. When she gets into the cab from the airport, uh, it's like her descent into hell before she gets mm-hmm. to the cab. Yeah, it's, I was actually so um, wonderful. I saw a lot of comparisons to fairy tales. Absolutely. And um, I think Snow White was a very big influence on this movie. Um, She's always in white. Um, Yeah. So going into the cab, descending through the forest, you know, um, to the, uh, the Academy. Um, And then some of, I, I, I 
uh, saw this maybe on a commentary or behind the scenes um, feature, but they put the doorknobs very high. And so even though she's a grown adult, she still has to reach out oh, for the doorknobs cool. like she, she's a child. Um, so just really little touches like that um, just add to like this stylized look where it, it feels like a fairy tale. Mm-hmm. I was wondering, and so I started looking to... Because when I say graphic, I don't mean like graphic violence, like mm-hmm. because it is so stylized, it reads like a graphic novel. So I wondered if there's any like formal adaptation of oh, it. And there uh, wasn't, there are like different people who have done different parts of the movie, uh-huh. um, uh, you know, in a comic, but there wasn't like a comic of it. But I feel like that would be a great there needs to be adaptation, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, uh, so let's talk about two since we're in production. So tell me, because you research more into Jalo than I have is a classic part of Jalo that you have those close-ups of the gore. So like the stabbing of the heart. I, and that I kind think of stuff. so. I'm, I'm definitely not an expert. I watch like one YouTube video about it, <laughs> but uh, my understanding of, of Jalo is that it's, it's a very like pulpy thriller. Um, and so, yeah, there's, there's usually gore and, and girls and, um, all of that. It's very stylized like that. Now, one thing I, I think Suspiria is, um, where, where it veers away from Jalo is that there are supernatural elements. And I believe that in most Jalo movies, uh, it's, it's usually just like a killer mm-hmm. or something. It's so more it's, like a cat in the brain. Yeah, yeah. So so there's nothing supernatural going on. Obviously, this one, you know, witches. Right. Um, and so, but other than that, yeah, I, I think this is a good example of the giallo. So is that is, uh, is that giallo. type of cut scene then, is that uniquely Italian? Because that was what, like, I assumed going into it that mm. we were going to see. That it, I so, don't know. Where it's those, it's those really extreme close-ups to gore, to mm-hmm. cutting, to stabbing, yeah. to vomiting bugs that kind of thing i believe it i mean it, okay. it, it does seem like in the few other giallo movies i've seen there there are definitely a lot of extreme close-ups like that mm-hmm. I, I liked them because i th- again they weren't they didn't like gross me out no 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 um <clears throat> so yeah it's like where where did her ribs go like, <laughs> <laughs> um all yeah. right <clears throat> so definitely a point i mean yes gosh, if you watch this movie and don't think about production or it's it's get a, moved by the the production then it's a work of art and i think as, as a film it sort of transcends the horror genre that i yeah. think anybody who appreciates good filmmaking would be able to appreciate the production of this movie yeah. um so films monsters are frightening clearly relate to archetypal fears and have depth monster quality okay so obviously the we monsters. have the witches the witches. Yes. Um, and so to me, there's, I, I, I think there's kind of a, a style over substance debate to be had with this movie. Um, it's, it doesn't seem to be that interested in like fleshing out the mythology. We do get some. Well, I was going to say, when we get it, it's in like five minutes and it's just shoved down her throat like with the the doctor the psychologist yeah but even then and then the historian yeah but even then it it feels opaque like you 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 don't 
really feel like you under, quite understand it, right? Or at least right. I didn't. Well, I, I yeah, you don't get the full picture, like mm-hmm. the full story of it. But what was weird to me was how that whole scene played out. So you know what I'm talking about with the doctor yes. and the green oh, yeah, jacket, exactly. right? No, I have uh, some parts I want to talk about it. So what bothered me in that, and I guess it's maybe more of a writing thing, is that she's sitting there talking to him. Mm-hmm. He gives his spiel about, um, you know, her dead roommate. Mm-hmm. And then immediately, yes, and I also have this guy. And he comes yeah. and sits down. And when the old, uh, we'll mm-hmm. say, like, professor yeah. right, sits down, he talks like she didn't even just talk to that therapist. Yeah. Um, and it's really weird. It's this disconnect. I didn't know what you thought that, about that. That didn't bother me. Um, and, and I think it's because this, this movie is not interested in realism. And so, you know, having characters kind of drop in and like that, it it didn't really bother me. I, I thought what they talked about was was interesting. Um, yeah. And, and I, this again, I think is uh, from behind the scenes, but there there was a history of satanic cults in European academies, and so this was kind of drawing on that, which I think is really interesting. Um, but there is kind of a whole like, uh, psychology versus magic. Like she, you know, uh, seems... see, I didn't like, it wasn't even enough to make me even go down there. Oh right? yeah. Yeah. Um, well, uh, I think, I can't remember. I think it's the younger guy who says bad luck isn't brought by broken mirrors, but by broken minds. Yeah. That's, I wrote that down too. Okay. Bad luck bro- brought by broken minds. Yeah. And so that, if, if there's any kind of like depth to these witches i think it it may be in that single line um you know and and so yeah that that idea of um you know how how much of this is like uh actual magic versus how much of it is just like perceived in you know the super these ancient superstitions that have just been around in in europe for just so long Mm -hmm. um the, the goal of witches is to accumulate wealth through suffering of others. Um, Which they're doing to her. Yeah. Um, and the other thing we learned about the witches is that uh, the head witch must be killed in order to uh, destroy the coven. Um, yeah. But I think in terms of like archetypal fears that have depth, I think that just so with that, it, it plays into... I don't know if we want to call it an element or a trope, but that whoever the authority figure is mistrusted, yeah. um, you're supposed to be scared. They're going to try to control you, mm-hmm. deceive you. Yeah. So whether it's like your teachers are aliens, mm-hmm. your dance teachers are witches, mm-hmm. or yeah, your principal's the devil. Like absolutely, you can't you can't trust the the authority. Your parents are serial killers. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so um, I, I I don't know I, I've feel like yeah i you don't pay attention to the monsters as much in this movie no and it it doesn't try to but i think i think there's definitely something there and it seems more than anything there's something implied just through the history of witchcraft in europe i don't know it just like even when the blind man is is uh, kind of walking in, in that plaza with all the yeah like 
Greco-Roman buildings. Like there just there just seemed to be like a history there that you know we we really only see in the film like on the surface, but then like the associations we have with it kind of run deeper. And yeah. so I think I think they're presenting some of these archetypes, even if they're not necessarily interested in delving deep into the mythology. Yeah. But so I, I, I'm I going to give it a point for that. My thing is, is that I, you don't even pinpoint it as a witch until later in the movie. Like it could have been possession. It could have been ghosts. Like, well, and, to I that point. and I think it's on purpose to mm -hmm. make you, I almost kind of like how, I mean, this is just another way of portraying witches. Like mm -hmm. you rarely see them. Um, they're, they're mostly presented through sound effects, like through, you know, the moans and whispers. Snoring. And, yeah, snoring. <laughs> uh, in maggots, you yeah. know. Um, and so, yeah, the bat. And so um, true. I, I kind of like that, how there is this real mystery. Even when you, yeah. even when the head witch is revealed, it's still like this, you know, transparent... Yeah. You know, reminds me of outline. Rosemary's Baby too. Huh? How so? Well, just the the group of witches, the oh, coven, okay. like yeah. that kind of idea, and you don't really know the full extent. Like you suspect the people who are mm -hmm. in her lives, and then you figure out you know, her husband's involved. Yeah. Like, um, I felt like that was a similar build up to the end. Yeah, with yeah. a different confrontation at the mm -hmm. end, but you know. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna give it a point. Okay. You you swayed me. <laughs> um, scare factor. Clarence to scare. I'll tell you what. When uh, her roommate fell into that razor wire, which is assuming oh, what uh -huh. it was, that freaked me out. Yeah, I was scared. That particular scene didn't do much for me, but there were other scenes. Yeah, what stood out to you? Um, well, the maggots are gross. I mean, in the ceiling. Yeah, the and just imagining like having to pick maggots out of your hair, like yeah, that's that's disgusting. Um, I think the single uh, scariest part is when she's in the room with the head witch, and then like the corpse of Sarah just like kind of pops out oh, of the yeah. closet and runs. I think that was like, I think the most genuinely scary moment. Um, there are a lot of other like creepy moments, like when you see the eyes in the darkness. That's also like super cool image but just that was creepy um the head coming out of the stained glass window like near the beginning um mm -hmm. i thought that was again just the violence is so stylized and beautiful but also creepy um the maid and the little boy um oh we didn't talk about pablos <laughs> oh yeah pablos yeah He's scary too yeah exactly so you have all of these uh, really creepy and scary elements throughout the movie. Um, now, is it like, is it as scary as the Babadook or the Exorcist? I think, I think it's just something, I think it maybe doesn't have that intense of a scare factor. Uh, it's just, I think it's time. That's, I think it's just because of, like what we're used to as a modern audience. And, and I think because it's so stylized that it just, it removes this element of like, this could really happen to me, you know? But going back to like, 
remember we've been talking about like scare factor where it doesn't just have to be like jump out at you fear. Yeah. Um, it's that it's like tension that, and uh-huh. that build and that yeah. slow burn throughout. And this has that and it does it with the score. Mm-hmm. Um, and then those different scenes like we're talking about with the, with the maggots, the razor mm-hmm. wire busting through the window. So I'm, I'm going to give it a point because um, I'll, what did you think about the ending? I liked it. I mean, I like how... Are you talking about, like, the final She walks out, buildings on oh, fire, and oh, it's yeah. done. And it's just done, yeah. Yeah, I really I really appreciated that, because where everything else was sort of a build-up to it, it's like, no, we're done. We don't have yeah. to show her with her new boyfriend at a new school or yeah, something like that. exactly. Like, buildings on fire, she walked out, it's done. Yeah, <laughs> and we don't need to question, like, are they really dead or not? It's just... Yeah, there's yeah, there's no hands popping through the windows. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I appreciated that, too. Yeah. Um, did it pass the wife test? What did Kristen think? Yeah, she liked it. But was she scared? Oh, was it scary? I think some parts freaked her out, like more of the gross-out stuff, I think. Yeah. Like with the maggots uh-huh. and Pablos. And... Okay, yeah, I'm going to agree. I, creepy. Yeah, you used the better. word intensity before, and I think that is a good way of thinking about it. Like, the, I, I think there is a scare factor here. There are scary moments, but I think overall, like the intensity of these scares is not as as intense as, say, the Babadook or um, the Exorcist or so on. So now, am I going to give it a point? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is tough. Do you think, like, the uninitiated, you think if you handed this to someone, they would say, oh, this is scary. That this is a great movie? No, not that this is a great movie, but is this, but, oh, oh that's a scary, scary movie? I think they would say it's creepy. I don't know if they would say it's scary. Like, is this going to give somebody... Is there nightmares? enough there to kind of, like, make their skin crawl a little bit? feel like this is one of those movies though it's the elements are so classic mm-hmm. um see for me it's like this is right on the borderline yeah like i'm i think it i think it deserves to be in the canon if that's really what we're asking um because I, because and that's because as we as we talked about with scare factor before because we've talked about it as um you know, uh, a continued tension and mm-hmm. a buildup. Um, not necessarily like a nightmare bringer. Yeah. Um, but I, this, I'm telling you, like, I really do want to just go out and buy the score, like even the score alone and how it's used. Mm-hmm. Um, I, that was scary enough for me. Mm-hmm. That built the tension because it was used at the right moments. Yeah. Um, even when, Gosh, I mean, the scene, I'm just thinking, like, if I'm thinking about scenes that are frightening, like you were talking about the scene with the um, blind pianist with his dog, mm-hmm. um, you know, mauling him and he's looking around trying to trace that. Uh, yeah. What is that? What kind of statue is that? Is it a, is it a vulture? Is it a... I don't remember. Um, whatever the, the bird mm-hmm. is that's up there. Um, when that's attacking him. Uh, the the madam to me is scary <laughs> because even when she's like <laughs> when she's kicking out the the pianist mm-hmm. she's she's yelling at him she's scolding him mm-hmm. but she still has some kind of smile on her mm-hmm. face while she's doing it because she enjoys it like there that's okay. frightening that there is a definite 
unease that you feel in just about every scene in the Academy. Yes. Whether, whether it's um, her or the little boy in the maid or uh, Poplos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, or, or even like the head madam. Um, yeah. Who's in a few scenes. Madame, Madame Blanc. Um, there is, yeah, there's this sense of unease in every scene. And then sometimes it gets heightened to, you know, scary moments, like with the maggots, like with, you know, at the end with, uh, with, with Sarah coming out. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give it a point. Cause I feel like it's, cause what we've criticized movies for before is that they're inconsistent. That beginning. Yes. And, end. and this one is consistent. It is. Like, yeah. It is consistently like off putting and, uh, eerie. Great. Yeah. Suspiria in the canon. I think a All lot right. of people would be mad at us if we didn't have this in the canon. I mean, from our 30 people listening. I, I agree. But I mean, we also don't have phantasm in the canon. That's, you yeah, know, that's beloved true. by many. So, you know, I, I think I, you know, I like that we, you know, approach each movie on like its own, you know, unique. No, basis. I agree. I agree. Um, Nobody's our boss. We're our own boss. Yeah, John. <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I'm glad it's in the canon too. I, I, I think it is. Um, it's a deserving film. Mm-hmm. I think so. Okay. All right. Well, that's great. Um, so now we are going to leave Italy and uh, take a stop in Germany next. Um, we're going to get into some vampires uh, with. Nosferatu, uh, both the original silent version and the Werner Herzog remake. Yeah, and I haven't seen the remake. Yes. I'm very familiar with the original, but not the remake. And did you know that the uh, the director of The Witch is making a Nosferatu remake? I think, uh, yeah, I think you had mentioned that when, okay. we, when we saw The Witch. So, yeah, um, that probably won't be coming out for a long time, but we'll be ready for it when it does because we'll have watched the two earlier ones so yes um come back next next time for german vampires german vampires and uh check out more episodes at unoiasolstice.com e-u-n-o-i-a-s-o-l-s-t-i-c-e.com and then also we for this episode we will have a test prep so you may need to look back for Mm -hmm. test prep from Stephen mcclure um who is an avid fan of the cat in the brain <laughs> as really yeah. <laughs> oh man i will really definitely like have to suspiria. read what he and says. he loves suspiria so yeah. he'll be he'll be writing about that okay well great uh pencils down the terror test is over mm-hmm.